You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. what it is. You've lost your job. You're physically ill. People suddenly facing suffering that they did not see coming. They did not anticipate. The daily challenge is to realize nothing happens to us as Christians by accident. You've probably heard plenty of people say, you don't know what it's like to be in my shoes. Maybe that's true about the exact circumstance that someone might be going through. However, time after time, there are examples of people who do know what it's like to suffer for the sake of Christ. Today, Pastor Danny provides examples in the Bible, as well as modern day missionary heroes of the faith who are willing to suffer as a part of what they signed on for when they agreed to follow God. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Philippians chapter one as he continues his message, Suffering and the Will of God. This text in this story. The advantages of suffering in the will of God. Now, I, I need to note suffering in the will of God. A lot of times we suffer for our own foolish mistakes. That's not the message. If you're suffering because you've made bad decisions, repent of those bad decisions, plead the mercy of God, begin to seek God for direction in life. But this is suffering in the will of God. You say there are advantages to suffering in the will of God? Yeah, right in the text. First thing, it may be used to advance the gospel. Let me read for us Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. I want you to know, Paul writes, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. His witness was not only before governors and kings and mighty men, but his witness even everywhere he went as a prisoner. Philippians 4.22, Paul will close out that letter, and here's what he says. All God's people send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. People in government positions, in servant positions in Caesar's household came to know Christ. 
as a result of Paul being a prisoner for Christ. I thought about the Old Testament story of Joseph, one of my favorite stories, and it's interesting because the Apostle Paul was told ahead of time the suffering that he would have to endure. Not in detail, but definitely a, a, a summarized, hey, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. There's no record that God told Joseph how much he would have to suffer. But at the end of his suffering, when God exalts him and he ends up fulfilling God's purpose in life through the suffering, in Genesis chapter 45, it's recorded for us as he reveals himself to his brothers who were the ones that sold him into slavery to Egypt and he became a slave in Egypt. But it was through that negative experience and through the suffering in Egypt that God's purpose for his life was revealed and fulfilled. And after going through all those years of suffering in chapter 45 of Genesis, Verse 3, Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be distressed and don't be angry, angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years, they'll not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. What a perspective in that God sometimes uses suffering to position Christians, to position a saint in the world to be a witness. I love it. I hate it. The cross was the ultimate example of how God uses suffering for his own purposes. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, Paul writes, We, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, mature saints, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, this wisdom. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It's the wisdom of the cross. And in that, how God uses suffering for his own divine purposes. Advantages of suffering in the will of God, it may be used to advance the gospel. But that's not all. It proves the genuineness of our faith. Romans 8, 17, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, 
if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. You can write it down. 2 Timothy 3, 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Isn't that one of those great, warm, fuzzy promises in the Bible? Philippians 1.29 is a sister verse to it. It goes like this. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. It proves the genuineness of our faith. But that's not all. It deepens our fellowship with Christ. Philippians 3.10. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Some of my times in life where I felt closest to the Lord were times of pain, uncomfortableness, suffering. Deepens our fellowship with Christ. And you don't feel it. It's not emotional, but it brings blessing from heaven. 1 Peter chapter 4. Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted, because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. The blessing of God is on the saint that's suffering in the will of God. But there's more. Not only does it bring, bring blessing from heaven, one of the greatest advantages of suffering in the will of God, it produces perseverance. And I've matched this up with perseverance produces maturity. Romans 5, verse 3. Not only so, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know the suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And James tells us in chapter 1, verse 4, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. I wish there was another way, but there is no other way to Christian maturity, suffering, tough times, trials, perseverance. Perseverance produces maturity. And one of the greatest advantages is this next one I want to share with you. Maturity yields a steadfast commitment. I love what Peter writes in chapter 4 of 1 Peter, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. That doesn't mean you never sin again. Let me read the rest of the verse. As a result, 
He does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. It just means that in your maturity now, you're not on that roller coaster ride anymore of an immature saint. You're not wishy-washy. You're not, you know, committed one day and then you're off backslidden uh, the next day. No, you have now reached a place of maturity. It's not that you're sinless or completely perfect, but you are mature. The wishy-washy Christian life is behind you. And now, now, because you have persevered and character has been produced, now you're mature. Hard to uproot you. Hard to keep you down in the dumps. Because now your perspective has changed as a result of your maturity. Remember when Peter tried to dissuade Jesus from going to the cross? Look back at it with me just for a minute. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, and you go down to verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Interesting, that's where Paul was going. That's where Paul's trouble was going to be. Must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, that he must be killed. That's the ultimate suffering. And on the third day, be raised to life. Peter. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. The disciples in the book of Acts who tried to dissuade Paul from going to Jerusalem, were well-meaning. Luke himself joined others in trying to dissuade Paul from continuing his journey to Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit's warning Paul, the Holy Spirit's warning the believers, but they, they misunderstood. They took it that the warnings of what was going to happen to Paul on this journey into Jerusalem was not the will of God. But it was the will of God. And Paul knew it was the will of God. As sincere as they were, as much as they loved the Apostle Paul, they, like Peter, when Peter tried to dissuade Jesus from the cross, did not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Look, it's the way we naturally think. We have to learn. We have to mature. To think spiritually. We're not going to get it right every single time. If somebody like Luke 
can join other well-meaning disciples in trying to dissuade Paul, if Peter, one of the future pillars of the church, would try to dissuade Jesus, then there are very well-meaning people who may try to dissuade us. And ultimately, we have to know, what is God telling us? What is God saying to us? Where is God leading us? And we have to make the ultimate daily decisions on what path we're to take. And there will be people that love us, that try to dissuade us. I've seen as a pastor, parents, friends, family members, spouses, deter or at least attempt to deter those they love from the will of God. It might be a short-term mission trip uh, where there's danger, potentially, and your child <laughs> is saying to the parent, I feel led to go on this short-term mission trip, and they try to talk their child out of it, or they just forbid their child from going. Loved ones who don't understand when someone in the family, and I'm talking Christian families, says God's led us to go to, and they are going to some other country somewhere. And it's a danger zone. It's a very unstable area. Maybe there's civil war broken out, et cetera, et cetera. Don't be dissuaded if you know it's the will of God. And no matter what the personal cost is, if you know it's God, you stay on that path. And be careful, and I'm talking to myself, that you don't wrongfully dissuade or attempt to dissuade those you love, those you care about, from the will of God for their lives. Oswald Chambers was a great saint, and uh, he left us some great writings. I read his devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. I read it every day after my regular Bible reading, and he continues to challenge me by the things that he says. And one of the things he said during his life that is passed on to us now is in regard to suffering. To choose to suffer means something is wrong. you got to screw loose if you're just choosing to suffer. To choose God's will, even if it means suffering, is a very different thing. No healthy saint ever chooses suffering. He chooses God's will, as Jesus did, whether it means suffering or not. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed repeatedly, Father, if there's any other way. Jesus, God, but God come in the flesh. He didn't choose to suffer. Let's be real technical here. Oswald's got it. He chose the Father's will. And it was the Father's will for Jesus to go to the cross, to give his life. 
Years ago, January the 8th, 1956, a man named Jim Elliott and four other missionaries were killed by the very people they were trying to reach for Christ. The then cannibalistic Aka Indians of Ecuador. But Jim and his friends, missionaries to the Aukas, their deaths opened the door for many Aukas to become Christians. The Aukas are today a peaceful tribe. Not only that, but Jim Elliott's death has probably inspired more people to go to other countries to share the love of Jesus than he could have ever inspired in life. Oswald's left us some good statements. Well, Jim Elliott left us one as well. And in closing, I want to share this with you. Jim Elliott said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It's a great statement. I thought in light of Jim Elliott's statement, I thought of Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Can I close by encouraging you that whatever life is throwing at you, it is what it is. You've lost your job. You're physically ill. People suddenly facing suffering that they did not see coming. They did not anticipate. The daily challenge is to realize nothing happens to us as Christians by accident. And God has a purpose. Romans 8.28 is true. All things work together for the good of those called according to His purpose. And I know some of us, we've heard that before. We know that. But some of us need to hear that again right now. Just like the Apostle Paul that needed fresh encouragement from the Lord, which he got time and time again, including at Philip's house. Philip the evangelist who had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. I have little doubt that they prophesied to encourage, strengthen, and comfort the Apostle Paul. Whatever you're going through in life, as a Christian, take courage. Be strengthened by faith. Be comforted by the truth that God is doing something that maybe you have no idea his purpose right now, but his purpose is through your suffering to bring glory to himself, to do something good in your own life and to use the suffering perhaps as a witness and to get you to a place in life so that you might be a witness to someone else. I don't enjoy suffering. I don't look for suffering. Nobody does in the right mind. 
But suffering is part of God's purpose. We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join us in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? Prayer is such a powerful tool against the enemy, and there's much to pray about during these days of speculation, doubt, and fear. Perhaps there's a listener who's really wrestling with all of the uncertainties, and your prayers could be a way to minister to their heart and mind, renewing their faith along the way. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. We're reminded in these New Testament books that God came to earth as a man, just like us, and suffered in ways that we might be suffering currently. But He came to redeem each one of us, and that gives hope beyond what's happening in front of you. Thanks for praying. With that, we've come to the end of our time today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued teaching through this series called New Testament Highlights. We hope you'll tune in again, right here on The Living Word.